Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? Thanks for listening, and welcome back to the American Tennis Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network. We have a lot to talk about today. The NCAA is wrapping up, French Open happening, other stuff I want to get to as well. So I brought on somebody to talk with us today. Been around tennis for almost 20 years, been playing since he could walk. Let's get right into it. I'm joined now by Alec Dardis, an old friend and a recent graduate from Colgate University. He had quite an illustrious tennis career. Alec, thanks so much for joining us. Why don't you walk my listeners through your experience at Colgate? Thank you for having me, Justin. I'm happy to be here. Uh, Yeah, so I just recently graduated from Colgate. Had a fantastic time. Uh, Obviously, I didn't like the winners coming from Southern California most of my life, but had to get used to it and being with great friends made it all much easier. Colgate's up in uh, upstate New York. It's right near, it's about an hour away from Syracuse in a small town called Hamilton. And we're a smaller liberal arts school that's Division I. We compete in the Patriot League and uh, with great academics and great people. I honestly love my time there. So the first thing that jumps out at me, you're obviously a Southern California kid like me. What was it like playing on the East Coast, all of a sudden now having to play a lot of indoor tennis? Yeah, I think it was definitely a big change for me. I mean, first things first, the weather. I was not used to the weather. It made me appreciate Southern California weather uh, even more. I remember experiencing my first winter, and it was absolutely brutal coming back from winter break and walking out from the airport in negative 10 degrees. And I was like, yeah, this is... It's very cold. Um, but yeah, playing in- indoor tennis is obviously very different from outdoor tennis. It eliminates the elements, which make it uh, more favorable for guys who have bigger serves and bigger weapons with forehands or volleying. Um, I had to adjust my game style a little bit, but I think I think it was uh, it proved worthy for me because I, I do have a good serve and uh, pretty decent weapons. So it was uh, a little... A little difficult to transition at first, but as soon as I got uh, the hang of it, started getting a little easier, and I grew to like it even more. Yeah, definitely a big adjustment for us SoCal players playing indoors. I remember some of those junior tournaments. I had an indoor tournament in Minnesota and Michigan, and not very fun, not very favorable for our game. It's one of the biggest adjustments is just dealing with inside lighting. It maybe sounds silly, but you're used to natural light where you can see the ball, and now all of a sudden you're in some big bubble and dome and relying on artificial lighting. That always messed with me. Like you said, the serves are a lot bigger, so not an ideal combination, but you dealt with it very well. Uh, before we move on to talking some college tennis, French Open, other stuff, just talk to me about some of your other activities you were involved at Colgate. Yeah, so I was fairly involved in the community. Uh, I represented tennis uh, on the Student Athlete Advisory Committee, where select student athletes from all sports would sit on the board and we would talk about issues within the student athlete world, what we could do better, um, and even you know up the hill, which at Colgate, Colgate's on a hill, so we always talk about academics being up on the hill, uh, what we could do better as student athletes in academia as well. I was also involved in Adopt a Classroom, which is a great volunteer program where all student athletes would go to a nearby elementary school, which in Colgate's case was Sherburn Elementary School, and would go roughly once every two weeks and go help mentor uh, the students there, play games with them, help study with them. That was a great program. It allowed me to see the environment up near Colgate. I was also in a fraternity, Phi Capital, 
which was a great experience for me and one of my favorites at Colgate. Uh, they were very loving of me being a student athlete as well. They would come show their support of the games and it really changed tennis for me because as I'm sure you're aware and all the viewers are aware, tennis is a pretty isolating sport and there's not a lot of crowds for junior tennis, let alone uh, low level pro tournaments, the futures. So it was a really nice change for me to have some of your closest friends be there at the matches and a large number of them as well. See, that's something I find very interesting and I'm very envious about. I joined my fraternity after my collegiate tennis career had been cut short with a wrist injury. So I never got to merge those two worlds, but it's something that I always wish that I would have been able to incorporate. I know you've told me stories about the brothers coming out to your match and cheering you on and supporting you. And we were talking about that Big 12 tennis rule where the Big 12 conference, TCU, Texas, Baylor, schools like that, recently passed a rule a few years back where fans at tennis matches were allowed to act the same as they would at any other sporting event, which I think is really cool, especially because we were talking about in a podcast a few times ago how some North Carolina fans got thrown out of a USC match. And I honestly think that tennis players just kind of need to toughen up in that sense where it's like you can have 15,000 people screaming at you when you're at the free throw line in a basketball game but in tennis we just need to be quiet it doesn't really compute for me so I'd be curious to get your input your thoughts on that having experienced it yeah and I, I completely agree I think it's fair game and not only do I think it's fair game for everyone involved I think it makes it a lot more fun for the players and for the fans uh, you know as I said earlier there's not a lot of people who come to tennis matches let alone college tennis matches um, so having a lot of people at the matches uh, really helped me, it could have been because I like playing in front of crowds, but it really helped me get motiva- extra motivated for the match and really into the match. And I also had a fun time with my friends before the match, so would be making signs uh, before the match to cheer us on. So I think it kind of brought us together, and they also kind of got to see us in a different light from being in the fraternity and being on the tennis court. You know, they got to see uh, you know, where my skill shined. But I think it's definitely something that other colleges or other conferences should look to change in their rules because you know like you said other sports basketball football hockey whatever it may be the fan there's no restrictions for the fans the fans can say whatever they want and i think that adds some value as to why the fans want to go in the first place if you know if you tell an average college kid to go to a three-hour match and sit in silence in the sun i don't think they're going to be too happy but if you tell them that they can go and you know be as uh, excited as they are at football mat football games or basketball games whatever it may be they'll be more incentivized to go and i think it'll make not only the atmosphere more fun for them but it'll make it more fun for the players I totally agree with you, my friend. I think we need to launch a campaign to get tennis the rowdy fans that we deserve. While we're talking about college tennis, though, the NCAA is obviously just wrapped up. Texas won it all. What are your thoughts on how the team tournaments shaked out? Yeah, I mean, I would have never guessed that Texas would have won. That wasn't my first choice. Uh, if I had a guess in the beginning of the tournament, I would have put my money on USC or UCLA. Um, obviously, that didn't pan out uh, as they thought. Uh, USC lost to North Carolina, and I think UCLA lost to Baylor. Uh, it was a tough result for them, but credit goes to Texas. I think it was their first NCAA tournament. I actually read somewhere that I think the coach got arrested the day after the code for the uh, college embezzlement scheme, so that may have put a dampener on his celebration, but congrats to Texas again. Um, I also noticed that... I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but Colgate's in the Patriot League, so 
Navy won the Patriot League tournament in our division. I know they lost uh, first round to North Carolina, which proved to be a good opponent in the tournament. But yeah, there's a lot more upsets than I would have thought or predicted. Uh, congrats to Columbia. Columbia got to the quarters. It's an Ivy League uh, proving worthy in the tournament. I know, I think Dartmouth, um, they're also in the tournament, but I'm not, I don't think they got as far. But yeah, I guess there were, a lot, there were a lot of upsets, but it was kept us on our toes. Yeah, there certainly were a lot of upsets that tournament. You're right. North Carolina was one of the teams we spent a lot of time highlighting. It's funny you mentioned them. They were the nine seed who went on to the semis and fell just short to Wake Forest, but great tournament for them. While we're talking about the NCAAs, though, I know we're both from SoCal. There were a lot of players that we know that were in that singles and doubles draw for the NCAAs as well. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it was nice seeing some SoCal juniors uh, playing well in the tournament, both singles and doubles. Just to name a few, I remember Keegan Smith, Tanner Smith, um, Brandon Holt. I actually played Brandon Holt when I was 14. Somehow beat him then. I'm fairly certain he would beat me now. Um, but he made a good run. He got to the quarterfinals, so it was good to see him. Uh, the tournament was really interesting to see. I don't know if you saw, but the winner of the individuals was from University of South Carolina, and I believe that was the first time a tennis player from University of South Carolina won. So congrats to him and congrats to the university. That's a great win for them. And even in the doubles, I saw some familiar faces like Reese Stalder. We used to play all the time back in the day. He's actually a tremendous doubles player. He had uh, unfortunate luck in the first round. I think he lost 13-11 in the third set tiebreak, which is egregiously tight. If you know tennis, you play in doubles. You play the 10-point tiebreaker for instead of a third set. So keeps it really close and exciting, but that must have been a tough one. Actually, looking over the matches, seemed like in the doubles draw, there was a lot of uh, third set breakers, which I know having been in those situations can get really tight and stressful, but that's kind of what makes tennis fun at the end of the day. But uh, congrats on the double side to Maxime Cressy and Keegan Smith. That's great for them, great for UCLA. I know Keegan's a great player and um, Cressy as well. But um, yeah, they, they kind of cruise to the finals and even cruise to the championship. So I'm sure they'll do well now they get a bid to, to the U.S. Open, which I'll be happy to see their faces on TV. So I wish them the best of luck. Shifting gears now, looking at the French Open that's happening now, Alec, what do you think of the big storylines coming from that tournament with the American players and the tournament as a whole? Yeah, the French Open is always exciting to watch. Uh, it's on clay. There's a lot of slipping and sliding. Um, points are a lot longer. Uh, the Americans are, I think they're in a good position. I know uh, Taylor Fritz, I used to play him back in the day. Obviously, he's doing well now. I think he's about top uh, 50, top 40 now in the ATP. He has a tough match against Bernard Tomic, but I think he'll prevail. Uh, his game will... He's been doing well in the pre-tournaments leading up to the French Open, so I think he's in a good position to beat him first round. And then if he does, he could play his fellow countryman, Steve Johnson, who I've had the pleasure of working with at the Orange County Breakers when he was there during my time. I know he has the game style and the mentality to come up with big upsets, and he's going to need that uh, when he plays Bautista Gute. So Gute's a very good clay core player. He's from Spain, and I know he likes to keep the points long, which Stevie uh, doesn't like as much. He likes to use that big serve to end the points. But I know uh, Tiafo, who I also ran across in a few tournaments back in my day, I believe he's the 30, uh, 32 seed in this tournament, so that's big for American tennis. And he plays Krajinov, Krajinovic, yeah, tough name to pronounce, but... Plays him, and I think he'll have a good shot at winning as well. So I hope he does. Hope to see him in the later rounds. 
And there's also another player, Yannick Hoffmann, who's from Germany. He actually qualified for the French Open, and he played number one at USC. I remember going up to matches when I was younger and watching him, and he's an extremely smooth player, and he plays uh, the king of clay himself, Rafael Nadal, and obviously that's going to be a tough match, but you know he's young and hungry and has nothing to lose, so I would love to see an upset at the French Open uh, against him. Awesome, yeah, definitely some great storylines to follow there for the Americans. Speaking of another young and hungry tennis player, we've been talking about him a lot on the last couple podcasts. I want to get your thoughts. Nick Kyrgios, he pulled out of the French Open. With this recent news, just tell me what you think about his impact on the game as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I'm fairly depressed he pulled out because Nick Kyrgios is one of my favorite players. He's an electric, uh, chaotic player who likes to bring a lot of entertainment to the game and involve the crowd. I know recently he actually got, I believe he quit the match because he's smashed his racket and threw his water bottle and chair and then ended the match. But, you know, obviously that's not the best look to have, but I do think he adds an immense entertainment value to the game, which is needed. I know we were talking about before about college tennis and whether or not, you know, fans should be able to interject during the points or, you know, even be as vocal as in other sports. And I think Curios is bringing that trait into tennis and encouraging more players and more fans to get more involved in tennis in that way. He's making more light of the subject. I also think he's doing a good job. You can tell by looking at Curious' social media. He loves basketball. He's constantly practicing in basketball jerseys. He's been making some connections in the, in the NBA world. I hope to see soon in tennis that sports start to blend with tennis more and that these tennis players can start to bring you know other athletes to come to the matches and bigger name celebrities um, to come watch and hopefully you know, bring tennis uh, to a larger audience. Yeah, that's definitely a perspective on Kyrgios that I don't think enough people consider that he really does fill the seats and is an appeal and sometimes you kind of have to take the good with the bad. Last couple questions before we send you out of here, Alec. I This is the American Tennis Podcast. We talk about all things American tennis. One thing we haven't talked about yet is world team tennis. I know you worked for a world team tennis club, the Orange County Breakers, your last couple summers. Why don't you just tell my audience a little bit about what that experience was like and fill us in on world team tennis. Yeah, so I interned with world team tennis, well, specifically the Orange County Breakers, um, where they play within world team tennis. In terms of them, my first year, I think my freshman year, going into sophomore year, and then I became the player services and operations manager for them my, my sophomore year, going into junior year. I had a great experience with World Team Tennis. It's uh, If you don't know what it is, it's a fun, roughly two-month tennis season where all the pros will take a break from the ATP slash WTA tournaments, and they'll come play this world. They'll come play in World Team Tennis because. It's a fun atmosphere where it's not as serious as ATP or WTA, but the players try to make it more entertaining. Uh, if you've never seen any of the courts before, the courts are multicolored. That's something unique that doesn't happen at any other tournament. Um, and it's also a different scoring. Um, they also include single, men's singles, women's singles, men's doubles, women's doubles, and mixed doubles. So you get a taste of everything, and it's a lighter environment for the players. So I think they really enjoy playing it, and the fans like come watching it because it puts a little more entertainment twist on uh, the old-fashioned tennis. And I know this year a lot of Americans are playing world team tennis. For instance, John Isner is playing New York Empire. We have Steve Johnson at the Breakers, who I'm excited to see again. Evan, Kane, Evan Kane's playing for Orlando Storm. Taylor Townsend, Donald Young, Philadelphia Freedoms. 
Taylor Fritz, Ryan Harrison, Christian Harrison, San Diego Aviators, Bob and Mike Bryan. They actually created a new team in Vegas this year called the Vegas Rollers, where Bob and Mike Bryan, Riley Opelka, and Sam Query will be playing. It's a very tall team, if you ask me. And Washington Castles has Francis Tiafa, Venus Williams, and the character himself, Nick Curia. So I think this summer will actually be a really fun time to tune into World Team Tennis if you haven't already. Ooh, I didn't know they started a Vegas team. We may have to get out there this summer and uh, take in some tennis out there. Alec, last thing before we send you on out of here, you are one of the more funny, entertaining people that I've met in the tennis community. For my listeners, please, before we get you out of here, just share some of your best, favorite, funniest stories over your 20 years on a tennis court. Well, uh, besides playing tennis with you, where the loser had to run up a massive hill, um, that was definitely one of my favorite uh, times in tennis. But in terms of competitive tennis, I think that was my sophomore year during college, where my freshman year, I actually didn't play on the team. I was recovering from uh, a leg injury. I actually had a bone tumor in my left leg, so I I had to get surgery my freshman summer going into freshman year. And I finally um, recovered and trained and got back on the court for my sophomore year, and I was ready for the season. And one of the early matches, uh, I believe I played number six, so usually the five and six guy are, if there's only four courts at the match, usually they're the last ones to go on, so the pressure's all on them if it's a close match. And that was exactly the case. Uh, When we played Drexel, I was the last match on, and everyone was watching. The score was tied 3-all, and I ended up winning the match. My team came on the court with their phones, taping, screaming, uh, won the match. It was a great, great time. Won the match 4-3, and right after, I remember we all went into this little squash court, and my coach ripped his shirt open, and we're all celebrating. So it was a really great feeling, and... uh, you know, reassurance that I could do something on the team, which, uh, you know, I think proved well for future years. Oh, man, that's awesome. You hadn't told me that story before, but what a great feeling that is, clinching the win for the team. Oh, I love that. Well, thanks for hanging out with us today, Alec, and breaking it all down. That was a lot of fun. To the listeners, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. That's going to do it for the podcast today. Thanks for listening to the American Tennis Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. Enjoy the French Open, and I will talk to you all again very soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.